Welcome to the Waste Not What Not podcast. I'm Philippa Ross, human ecologist, enthusiologist, author and energy healer, bringing you inspirational interviews, news and tips to rebuild our relationship with nature, revitalising our natural resources by minimising waste and maximising human potential. I trust you'll discover seeds of hope for a vibrant future that you can then cultivate and transform to suit your own lifestyle so we can collectively create a world where reverence for the diversity of all life is honoured. The podcast is now on a variety of platforms, Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio and my own YouTube channel. So make sure you subscribe to your preferred one so you don't miss any future episodes. You'll find all the show notes in the description and lots more about me and my work at philipparos.com. And don't forget, if you like what you hear, be sure to share far and wide. And don't be shy about commenting and submitting a review. Hello, Wastebusters. Welcome to episode 14. In a very discombobulated world where floods, earthquakes and disease have created much discord, this week's episode is full of uplifting news and a guest to help transform our approach to health and broaden the mind to be able to make the changes we want for a more harmonious world tomorrow. We're inundated with negative news on a daily basis, all of which has a detrimental effect on our physical and mental health. One of the best things you can do is make the switch and turn it off, or at least restrict the amount you consume. It's not about burying your head in the sand, it's more to do with building your immunity and improving your state of mind. You can still keep an eye on headlines, but swap out your daily dose of news for a practice that will shift your physiology and mindset. Now, who doesn't need some more of that? You'll no doubt have heard about the practice of gratitude, where you consciously note the things you're grateful for. While this helps keep life in proportion, a more potent method has come out of studies by Antonio Damosio, who has proved that watching other people receive kindness has a powerful effect on our health releasing chemicals from our cells that help combat inflammation and improve our immunity. One such act of love and kindness I experienced this week evolved from my very good friend and my very first guest on this podcast, flowerman David Laws in Australia, who wanted to help the flood victims in Lismore. After posting a request for a car and barbecue, he was bombarded with messages of support. A week later, an army of 40 people that he affectionately called the Swag Army, laden with food and drink donations for a thousand people, set off on their venture to change the victims' lives unwittingly changing their own. He's since set up a Facebook page with the intention to continue bringing people together to help the wider community. You'll find the link to the page in the show notes. Now I love hearing and watching feel-good stories and can certainly attest to the positive physiological and psychological effect they have. I re-watched an episode of America's Got Talent where Archie Williams realised his dream to sing on stage. His story, choice of song and rendition of Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me was especially moving as he'd only just been released from prison after being incarcerated for 37 years for a murder he didn't commit, 23 years of which was spent in solitary confinement. It's actually the third anniversary since his release this coming Monday, 21st of March, and his 61st birthday on Wednesday. An outstanding act of faith 
and a testament to his belief that freedom is in the mind, as well as a phenomenal reminder that some things take time. One such thing that has taken its time to change has finally come to fruition after nearly two decades of campaigning. The New Zealand government have released a set of proposals about transforming recycling, which includes a nationwide beverage returner scheme and standardised curbside collections to include food scraps. New Zealand generates more than 17 million tonnes of waste and sends almost 13 million tonnes, that's 76% of waste, going to landfill. There's a link in the show notes to view the proposal and consultation process that closes on the 8th of May. I came across an extraordinary organisation called Breathe Conservation that really aligns with the purpose of this podcast. Their slogan is Live Deeply, Tread Lightly. Set up by ex-competitive pool swimmer Sarah Ferguson from Africa, who has redirected her athletic abilities and passion for the environment to inspire other people to use their talents to fulfil their own potential. Sarah is currently midway through a month-long One Ocean Challenge between Durban and Cape Town, reminding us all there is only one ocean and it's our collective responsibility to protect it from pollution because this body of water supports human health. It's World Water Day on Tuesday 22nd of March, an international day set aside to honour this precious resource. This year, the focus is on groundwater, what goes on below the surface and how aquifers feed the earth. Take time to revere water for the miraculous ways it serves your body, hydrating, detoxifying, delivering nutrients, aiding digestion and boosting your energy. All incredible processes that work wonders within the hidden realms of the body. This leads beautifully into the work of this week's guest, Raphael Ray, who draws on the magic in the higher realms of the universe and the wisdom of ancient cultures to help us find fulfilment in our lives. He epitomises what it means to be authentic and how when you let go, lean into life's lessons and listen to your heart that you can find meaning to your own story and expand your potential beyond your wildest dreams. Raph's a natural, no-nonsense, intuitive, tarot reader, astrologer and numerologist. He's a self-professed cosmic navigator who'll help you understand the symbolic meaning of the patterns and cycles of life so you can find your way to the heart of what matters most to you. His grounded approach, infectious laugh, An in-depth knowledge and experience of all things weird and wonderful are just some of the invaluable gifts he has to help you change your tomorrow today. There are a few F-bombs in this episode, so if you have little people within earshot, it may be better if you put some earphones in to listen. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, Raph. It's absolute delight to have you on the show. I've been following you for um, probably about two years and Every Friday, because your um, videos come out every Friday over here in New Zealand, I get really excited. I sit down in the morning with my cup of coffee and I listen to the tarot for the week or the energy for the week. And you never fail to provide something really uplifting. And your no-nonsense approach to tarot is just scrumptious because you just get us all laughing and it's so grounded and meaningful. And I also love the way that when you present the cards, the cards obviously tell a story and are projecting an energy, but you connect all the cards there together like a story as opposed to 
a number of tarot readers that actually just say this is the meaning for this card this is the meaning for that card you really tell a story with it so it's delicious I believe on your website you said you started reading playing cards at the tender age of 14 it's not the normal kind of thing a 14 year old young man does (laughs) how did you get into it I was definitely not a traditional uh, 14 year old boy I can tell you that much (laughs) Um, (laughs) I definitely wasn't. I had begun to really express some of my weird and wonderful at a very young age. Uh, I can remember the first uh, big, powerful dream that I had uh, that was really early on in life. By the time I was like five or six, I'd already started to kind of point things out or say things to my mum that were a bit kind of like, Okay, where is he getting that from? Okay. Um, you know, and then things would kind of either manifest or happen. Uh, and then as I got into my teen years, my dreams. So I come from a family of prophetic dreamers, people who, who have and do dream the future. Uh, the first person that I saw sort of really do this was my mum. And to scary accuracy at some points um you know for for all of us and it's it's been a wonderful journey and as I obviously come into teenagehood or as we come into puberty uh just like when we get into that um time of coming into who we're going to be I think at that point everything had really started to express for me so my sister at that point had already moved to Greece And she came back reading playing cards for people. And I was like, my mind just was like blown. And I was like, that is a little bit of me. Anything weird and wonderful, I was already into at that point. And this really felt for me like something that I was supposed to be doing. So I had her teach me. Um, And we laugh about it now, right? You know, she's still actually very, very good. A little bit rusty, she would say, (laughs) but she's still very good. And she says, you know, like, who would have thought that all these years later, you would be doing all of this with something that I'd, you know, given you at that age. Uh, So it kind of developed from there. I'd say about probably about two, three years later, I graduated to Tarot and never really looked back. I read Runestones for a bit, um, you know, really delved into reading cards and cartomancy because I really enjoyed it. But the Tarot really seemed to hook me in because it felt like that point of graduation. It's like, okay, you've done that now. It's time to take this to the next step. And, you know, you hear all the whispers of tarot readers and what you should and shouldn't do and how you should get your decks. And I found a book by who I have affectionately termed my magical mama, uh, De Angelis, who is now named De Angelis. She's uh, a very famous tarot reader in Australia. I mean, like, scarily good. <laughs> you know, she's just brilliant and I love her because her approach is very real very grounded very much these are the facts this is what we know this is what we can't know and here's the point at which these intersect and I love 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 that because it's something that I I try to do in the way that I read um so yes and then since then I've tried to do so many things in between (laughs) and then About seven years ago now, I started Radiant Reality at a point at which my life had just gone up in flames (laughs) (laughs) because I tried to do everything else and it just didn't seem to work. And I had a lot of stuff to work through. 
I think we all do. Um, and this is, you know, for anybody that's out there listening to this, I will say this to you, if you have or do, and we all do to a point, walk a spiritual path, there will come a point where you can't wear the mask anymore. And you start to realize that not being your authentic self gets really, really tiring and really, really heavy. And if you walk these kinds of paths of psychics, spiritualists, mediums, seers, mystics, the melancholia and the little touch of madness is what (laughs) connects you. It's what connects you to your gifts. And sometimes we have to go through a really painful moment or initiation through life in order to really switch that on. And unfortunately for me, it happened later. I remember getting to around 24. And at that point, I'd done all of my Reiki and my massage. And you know, I was like, no, I'm not going to do this. So you know, I wanted to go in a different direction. And I got pulled back into it. And then at 30, like I said, I came back home to my hometown, living in my my old room that I'd left like 15 years earlier. It was such a, a, a hard moment. But I remember setting up my YouTube channel because I said to myself, one day I want to bring my my knowledge of tarot and astrology and numerology to the world the way that I do it. There's people out there doing it already, but I want to do it my way. And I remember reserving the name Radiant Reality. And then a year later, when I was like, okay, I'm finally ready to do this now, I went to reserve that name, Radiant Reality, and it came up with a message saying, this name is already in use. And I really, I was so gutted because I was like, oh my God, no, this is the name that I picked for myself. Uh, And then realized, yeah, it's taken because you've already reserved it. (laughs) Log in, (laughs) switch on. And at that point, I was like, okay, cool. And then literally I just started doing my readings on my channel for the love of it really and still doing it for the love of it and it just grew and grew to what it is now fantastic and it's lovely to hear that your family were kind of like-minded and so I guess your weirdness was embraced It would be lovely to say yes. Uh, No, my weirdness was very much a black sheep of the family kind of energy. So my mum became a born again Christian at the same time that I really started to express my gifts. And so that became a really big sticking point. I was born to a Catholic family who were Greek Orthodox on one side and Christian on the other. Greek Orthodox is basically Catholic. Uh, I went to Catholic school. So, you know, all of my weird had to kind of be managed to a point. (laughs) (laughs) and then when I got to about 14 I was like I'm not hiding this anymore this is it this is it for me this is who I am it's who I'm going to be um go down with your friends and things because it's a horrible (laughs) age when you're kind of trying to grow into yourself and you end up being a bit weird (laughs) oh yeah absolutely I was weird before weird was trendy it was an interesting experience I had some people who absolutely loved it And I had friends that gravitated towards me for that reason, because it gave them permission to be themselves as well. And I also had a lot of stick. Uh, I grew up in a relatively urban kind of area on what we call a council estate. It wasn't the norm. I'll put it that way. 
but you know by the time I reached 17 I was already reading for people that were twice my age you know it was no longer the kids my age that were saying oh you know do my cards it was their parents and their parents friends and you know people were referring me at that age it's been an interesting journey and I think being an Aquarius, it gave me as much guts as I could muster at that age to be myself. It wasn't easy. Uh, and there were a lot of um, skirmishes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I managed to scrape through it. Interesting you say you're an Aquarius because I'm a Leo, sun, moon and Pisces rising. So you're my opposite. But you yeah. have Leo in your chart as well, don't you? I most certainly do. I am proud to say, obviously, that I am a Leo ascendant. So uh, that's the, the brightness and the theatrics <laughs> that I am known for. Um, but it's also more than that. I mean, you know, we're, we're all more than our charts. We're all yeah. more than our, than our numbers as well in terms of our numerology. Uh, it's partly what we bring to it. And it's also how we navigate what we're born to. So a part of the Leonine energy, which I'm sure you're aware of at this point, is to be the underdog. You know, everyone talks about them being loud and gregarious and always wanting to be on stage. That stuff comes through the process of trial. That stuff comes through being the kid that didn't have much. It's your Harry Potter. It's your Luke Skywalker. I got goosebumps as I'm talking about this, right? It's the Leonine story is the hero's journey. And so they always face very early on either some form of responsibility or some form of adversity. And how they overcome that is how they become that bigger, larger character that tends to be very heart led and very generous, right? Because they know what it is not to have. They know what it is not to be seen. Uh, and one thing about Leos, while they may, not all, but where they may enjoy adoration and the spotlight, they love to see other people shine. You know, I never knew that about the underdog aspect of things. And it makes perfect sense now because you read these things about, you know, how loud and gregarious we are kind of thing. But you kind of grow into that, um, mm -hmm. as you say. And I don't shy away from being not the centre of attention. I don't mind being on the stage and um, talking about something I know about, but I don't like to walk into a room and go, look at me, look at me, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's a common misconception with the sign of Leo. And, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions about all of the signs, but Leo as an energy, one of the things that I love to talk about in my Leo video, there's a duality to this sign. And so you get the loud and gregarious ones for sure, but then you also get the type that I call the silent dignity. They have an air of regality about them. They've got a thing, a bit of mystery, and that is that inner light that's shining through that wants to be seen and adored, but doesn't need to shout to do so. Absolutely. You talked about doing the runes um, and obviously the Reiki. So you're, you're talking energy here. Tarot cards are themselves a massive subject, but then you've extended it to astrology and numerology. So the depth and breadth of everything you've learned is just phenomenal. So what drew you into doing those two aspects of it? Uh, when I took one of my first tarot courses, the teacher actually said, if you're studying tarot, you're studying astrology, numerology and Kabbalah as well. Oh. And that really struck a chord with me because you, if you know the tarot system well enough, you can find all 22 signs and planets. It's all there for you. And if you know it enough, 
you can see it. And sometimes how the astrology and the tower overlap is amazingly accurate. Yeah. Um, the same with numerology. It's an energy. Uh, each number is a vibration. Each number has a different set of qualities, a different set of characteristics and drawbacks. So astrology seemed like a natural progression for me. And numerology also seemed like natural progression because these are things that are already within the tarot system. Just expanding into them felt right for me. And I, I've always been interested in astrology because I'm an Aquarius. So <laughs> the sky and the stars have always had a, a draw and a pull for me. And I, you know, even down to, you know, the early days, certainly I remember my mum always reading her stars and looking into you know signs and who was this sign and who was that sign and her and her friends would sit and talk about like readings that they'd read and and ask sort of how they think it applies to their lives and stuff so it was nice because in the early days I had a lot of scope for this stuff being very real and very commonplace it wasn't until the later years that it started to become a problem and I think my mum probably felt like, oh, crap, I've led him down the, the garden path on this and now he's fucking gone for it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like a pit bull and I just wouldn't let it go. So, yeah, there's been a lot of expansion. I studied astrology with the London School of Astrology. Uh, I did two years with them. I did a year with Achuta Baba, who used to be called Ad, uh, Adam Ellen Bass, who is uh, a Hellenistic astrologer. And I also did uh, just under a year with Heather from Astrology with Heather as well. It's a Hellenistic Definitely. astrologer. Hellenistic astrology is ancient astrology. It's how the original system of the stars and the planets worked in, uh, you know, from the Greek perspective. But they actually got this from an earlier system. So when we say Hellenistic astrology, it's kind of more accurate to say ancient astrology. So for Joe Public, I mean, I'm really intrigued about it. I don't know an awful lot, but I just love the energy that comes off the cards and the stories you tell. What can um, the cards do for them or a reading do for them? Because there's two extremes, really. I remember years ago um, and there was a woman in the office who used to at least every three months go and have a reading and she kind of relied on the readings for the next stage in her life. And one extreme, people lean on them to the guidance so they, they don't tune into themselves. How can you explain the benefits of the cards for people? Okay, so for everybody out there, for people that are curious, for people that are somewhere in between, for people that are totally obsessed, and, and everybody else, the cards for me are a jumping off point right so tarot itself is a very informed powerful and uh, symbolic system that can and will and does speak to every single experience that a human life can have from womb to tomb and so when you pull the cards together you will literally be seeing different events different feelings, different moods, different uh, external experiences that are likely to be happening on somebody's path. So because the cards are symbolic, I believe they speak deeply to our subconscious. And our subconscious is what I perceive as it's kind of like your door to the other realm. And so the tarot, if you like, is a bridge between you and that world. 
And it's how you can kind of get your, you know, subconscious beastie, give it a poke and say, oh, you, I need some information right now. Can you share with me what you think may happen? And one of the things that I've certainly in the last eight to 12 months, a lot of my clients laugh when I say this, especially the long time ones, because I'll say, well, at a professional guess and they're like, oh, come on, <laughs> you've been doing this long enough to own it. But the truth is we see possibilities. The future isn't set. And so therefore taking the right or left path is going to influence how that path unfolds. So what we see are different potentials and possibilities. What I like to say is when we read the cards, this is a snapshot of your life as it is right now and where it's likely to go if you change nothing. Mm -hmm. So if I say to you, you know what, this job that you're in, it's going to get worse and you're really not going to enjoy it. You're probably not going to learn a lot. And maybe by the end of the year, you're going to be really frustrated. If you stay in that job and you literally do nothing and you get to that point and you think, well, you know, okay, maybe he was right. Or maybe it's just because I, you know, he's told me that, that I feel this way. So what I'll say to somebody, if that's the case, what can you put in place? Ask your boss, tell them, I want to learn more. I want to grow here. I want to, you know, there's things that you can do in order to enhance that path. So what I also like to tell people is it's fate and free will, not fate versus free will. They don't battle each other. They work together. Mm -hmm. So when you have a reading, I like to say to people, this is that snapshot. All right. And the way that the cards can help us is by giving us ideas of what's likely to come up and what we might be experiencing on this path. That way we can change some of it. Now, that being said, <laughs> this is where, where it gets a little bit more um, esoteric, if you like. This idea of fate versus free will is very fatalistic and deterministic, and I think it's, it's unhealthy. Um, because that's how people get obsessive and it scares some people, quite yep, frankly. Yep. So as an example, let's say if you're a parent, you were fated and destined to have those children. That's something that your soul decided it wanted to do long before you inhabited your meat suit. <laughs> OK, so, <laughs> so now that you're here, you can see them. There are other people walking around, probably having children of their own. That was a fated event, but how you got to that event and what happened after it, that's all free will. Yeah. So it's kind of like one way that you could sort of characterize it. You're on a sat-nav of life, all right? You've got the start point of the journey is you're born. The end point of the journey is you cross over to learn the final secret. And on that journey, you've got stop points or checkpoints. Those are the big experiences that you're going to have in life. And how you get to them, how many turns left or right you take is irrelevant. That's all up to you. That's your free will. That's your choice. Those big events, those are the things that your soul knows that it needs in order to evolve. And that brings me nicely to the two aspects of the cards. The major arcana, which is one half of the tarot, which is like the big moments or experiences of life. And the minor arcana, which is the pips, the day-to-day -day stuff. It's really about... 
opening your mind to the possibilities and connecting to yourself because we can operate very robotically and just go through life. And it's really not until the shit hits the fan that we realize that we do have a choice or that we can do something different. And one of the big things as a a therapist myself and mentoring people is to help them understand themselves better and what it is that actually energizes them. And our environment is a huge part of that. And also taking all those bumps as lessons, however painful they were at the time. You know, you were talking about destined to have children and things. Some of us look back and think, why the fuck did I choose that man to have my children with? But, you know, it's like (laughs) the reason for it, you know. And what you chose and what came out of it and all the rest of it. So it's all those juicy parts of life that we can use as lessons. But again, it is about the environment you put us on. You gave an example earlier about the workplace and how can you enhance that workplace? And it is really about becoming more aware and it helps us see how we operate, but also what is outside of us. And I know that nature is a really important element of um, your interest. It might, you might not integrate it necessarily with what you share on your YouTube, but I know it's a fundamental part of what you find intriguing. It's that relationship and it's really what the podcast is about reconnecting and building that relationship between people and the planet because we're skew whiff at the moment everything is off the planet and we need to get back <laughs> on an even keel i love that it's such a perfect segue it feeds actually beautifully into what we were just talking about so life especially when you look at the environment is cyclic right we've got yeah. the cycles of the moon we've got the cycles of the season we've got the cycles of life and death and rebirth always happening around us. Tarot is a way of literally reading those patterns and cycles. That's probably the simplest and easiest way to put it. And that is, it's actually such a beautiful thing that you've touched on. I genuinely love the natural world and getting out into it as much as I can. It's such an important point because for me, that's where I go to recharge. It's where I go sometimes to de-stress, sometimes to get answers. I'll give you an example of answers. I remember this was probably about nine, ten years ago now. I was having a really tough time feeling really self-conscious. It was like the reverse of being a Leo. I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want to be looked at. I just wanted to be left alone to live my life. And having any form of scrutiny would really freak me out at that point. I was in a very interesting place. And one day I was um, at the seaside and I saw these little, I don't know whether they were ducks or seagulls or whatever, and they were just splashing around in the water and really just doing their thing. And they were just, you know, getting on. And then one of them looked up and looked at me and then just carried on doing what it was doing. And the message that I took away from that was, do they look like they're bothered about you watching them living their lives? No, of course not. Live your life, do whatever you need to do. And I was like, okay, for that moment, it really lifted the stress and the anxiety from me. So, you know, as an example of how nature can give you lessons and teach you things, it really, really can. And the cycles and the patterns and the seasons, we as human beings are cyclic. Our 
hair grows in cycle with the moon. Women's monthly cycle sync up with the moon. When women live together, their cycles will sync up. I always marvel on that because I have this exquisite feeling that at one point, all women in the world would have been synced in that way. So you wouldn't have had sort of disparate energies, um, which kind of suggests as well that at some point, maybe all children would have been born at the same time as well. That's for a whole other big topic. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in terms of the natural world, tying yourself into the seasons is something that all pagans uh, and any person that follows a pagan path, whatever it might be, witchcraft, uh, druid, druidism, druidry, sorry, Wicca, all you know, all of those types of things. Tying yourself into the seasons reminds you of your own cycles. And a part of predicting what comes next is knowing at what point you are within your own cycle, being yeah. aware. Last time I was here, the next thing that happened was this. So that may very well happen again. And that's how astrology works as well. The solar system is basically just a big clock, you know, and the way that the planets spin and interact on that clock tell us what's likely to happen down here on the planet. Think about the moon, you know, it controls all of the water on the planet. Human beings are 70% water. If it's controlling the oceans, it's definitely controlling us. And you can see this when you speak to police officers, ambulance workers, people that work as nurses and doctors in the emergency room. Bouncers will look out for the full moon because they know around that time everything is heightened. It's just so phenomenal how all of this stuff permeates our lives. And getting back into nature at least once, twice, if you can do so more times a week, will remind you to slow down. It will remind you that the way that things are, are not how they're supposed to be. And I think this is one of the things that we've lost. We are intrinsically linked to the land and the cycles, and we're cut off from them at the moment. We're no longer acting as uh, a part of the world. We're just kind of living on it, um, which is, is sad. I'm just intrigued because for some reason, I always thought that paganism and Wicca and that kind of thing was a bit dark. It's fascinating to realise that it's actually all linked to nature, because I think, again, the important part is to find our own rhythm. So I know for myself, I just refer to like writing my book. You hear all this advice on various things, and it's like, get up early in the morning. Well, bugger off. The chances of me getting up early <laughs> are pretty damn slim. I've got to find my own rhythm because I'm a night owl and it's just never going to work. You know, these conditions are, we take them on without thinking about them. And this is the whole point of the cards is to, as you say, and going to nature to make us pause and to think and, and build our awareness around things. It's like, what am I doing that I'm not actually consciously aware of? And what habits and thoughts are not actually mine, that they've been indoctrinated, for want of a better word. Yeah, almost bred into us, yeah. as, as a, a case may be. It's really interesting when you talk about finding your own cycles and rhythms. And it's very true. You know, you have some people who are absolutely perky and, you know, they're up in the morning and sprightly and around. I got a funny story about this. So the last person that I dated was very much a night owl. And I am, when the, the day starts, I'm up, I'm perky, I'm bright, you know, I like to be out, out and about. And we had a system. 
if I wanted something, I would ask for it in the morning because Dan would just be like, you know what, please leave me alone. Whatever you want, have it, take it. Yes, we'll do that. That's great. Yeah. Come sort of nine, ten o'clock, I'm already shutting down for the day and I'm like, Ugh. and so if he wanted something, he would say to me, uh, you know what, I want to do this or we should do this or I'm suggesting it. And I'd just be like, you know what, fine, no problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so again, knowing your cycles, your patterns and your rhythms, so, so important. It really, really is. And what you're talking about there is a deep self-knowledge. Mm. And that's mm. what all of these arts are for, whether it's yeah. healing, whether it's psychic abilities, whether it's tarot, astrology, numerology, human design. All of these things are to help you, like you said, spot some of your own stuff, whether it's subconscious or conscious. Mm. I love the saying, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. And one of the things I loved about your website is that you talk about fulfillment and that you're doing something that is fulfilling. It's a scrumptious word because there's a very fashionable word within the spiritual realms about finding your purpose. And it really gets on my tits, to be honest, because it is about finding what energizes you and no other person can dictate to you what is good, bad or indifferent. It's like, you know, as a teenager, you are following your intuition, your path, you were intrigued by things. And I would say 99.9% of the time, Given free reign, people end up doing that. And again, this is another part that's coming out in a lot of the interviews. People's influences and things as childhood, once they've gone through those humps and bumps and learned certain lessons, they're confident in themselves and are leading a fulfilled life doing what makes them happy. Amazing, hey? I love that. And it's so true. So to cycle back to what you said, I totally agree with you. The coaching world has a lot to answer for in this regard, because the coaching world and the spiritual world seem to be merging. And while that has some benefits, it also is quite a grey thing, because spirituality isn't for the swaying it just is what it is and so when you find a lot of coaches using spiritual buzzwords and ideas because it sells because it's popular what they're actually doing is giving people some uh, spiritual mumbo jumbo without giving them any depth of basis for what they're actually talking about so when we talk about purpose in the spiritual sense We're talking about aligning with something that our heart and our soul really feels that we're meant to do. And that's so beautiful. Purpose in terms of a coach or in terms of hustle culture is you got to find the thing that's making you money and that sets you and sets you apart and puts you on the map. Mm -hmm. Well, excuse me, but fuck that. You have multiple, sorry. (laughs) Um, You have multiple purposes over a lifetime. And this is something that I really try to get across to people. So yourself, Philippa, you're a mother, you're a psychotherapist, you're a friend, you're a sister, you're maybe not a sister. I don't know if you have any siblings. Okay, you get my point. Over a lifetime, you will have multiple purposes. It's not just, oh, my God, I haven't found my thing yet that defines me and sets me apart. Well, I guess I'm on the scrap heap of life then. Screw that. Like, that's not healthy. It really isn't. And so. I try to get across to people, your purpose is linked to who you truly are and what you truly love to do. 
that's one part of it. The other part is when we talk about fulfillment, we're talking about what's nourishing you at a soul level mm. so that you can continue to pour out into the world something that you feel matters to you, for, mm. for sure. So, yeah. And one thing that I would love to, to say to anybody out there listening right now, if you feel like you haven't found your thing, if you feel like you're floundering in the, you know, the purpose soup, <laughs> I will say this to you. It wasn't until I hit 30 that I really said to myself, yes, radiant reality, that is my purpose, if you like. Right. And when I look back over and this will be the same for everybody. When you look back over your lifescape, there will be a thread of things and experiences that all feed into what you are supposed to be doing with your life. My first spiritual dream, I think I was four years old. I remember because I was at my aunt's house at the time, my dad's sister. Um, and I remember sleeping on a makeshift bed because they, they, it was a tiny little flat. You remember the old sunbeds? Yes. <laughs> With the yeah, plastic. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those with some towels and a pillow. Um, so I remember exactly where I was. I remember the dream like it was yesterday. And it's one that I still think on to, to this day. Moments of when I was like five or six, where I'd uh, literally come in from the fair one night and said something to my mum. And she was like, we were literally just talking about that. Uh, where I'd seen what looked like a spirit basically walk through the the archway in our front room and I remember like really freaking out that was probably my first ever goosebumps moment and I started to cry because I was really really shaken up and the next day my mum got a phone call from my nan to say auntie Dole died last night wow so do you see what I mean Mm. like when you look back through your life I got goosebumps now because you know it's just there's a thread of different things and experiences that all feed into what you're supposed to be doing so if you are in that soup of I don't know what my purpose is or I'm lost get out into nature connect yourself to the earth not the world not society but get out and connect yourself to the earth once you've got your breath back Take a minute and look back over your life and ask yourself, what are the experiences that stand out here and how do they feed into what I really feel I'm supposed Mm. to be doing if I listen to that little voice at the back that's saying, I want this? Yeah, I failed everything at school. Okay, English language six times um, with three different boards. This is in England. They told me I was illiterate. Uh, I wanted to be a vet, but I failed physics, chemistry and biology with a U for useless. Oh, no. God, no. No, 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 no. (laughs) So, uh, but the irony is that now I write about the sciences and quantum physics and things like that. That's, That's a huge passion of mine. And as you say... Those threads are there. So when I uh, had my children, my son was 18 months old and I wanted to understand it better. So the baby books are really, really boring. So I found something on the Open University about child development. And I did that. And it was it was good for me because I'm a all or nothing kind of girl. And so you do something for six months, you do the exam and then you have a little rest and start again. So I did that, loved it. Did another year and that gave me advanced diploma in child development. And I was thinking, this is really cool. Then my son starts school 
and there was a module on education. And then suddenly realized after three years of study, holy crap, I'm halfway through a degree here. I'm really loving it. And I carried on. In my fifth year, I managed to do all the assignments. I was getting something like 70% as an average. So this is someone who's illiterate. I got to the exam. All my brain cells um, went out to play because I couldn't find one of them and I couldn't answer any of the questions. And it was at that point, which I ultimately failed, that the Open University provided this helpline. And that was when I first discovered, this is back 25 years ago, about visualization. And they said, just visualize you getting your degree. So every morning I take the dog for a walk and, and envision myself going. So the following year, I took a different module and then it got halfway through the year and I had to reintegrate and um, memorize everything from the fifth year. And I took both exams and then I got my degree. Oh, so nice. It was amazing. And so if you'd have told me back then that I would end up with an honours degree in psychology, I would have got no way. It was because I was deeply connected to my children. They were really important to me. And that's the point. So since then, I've been into all kinds of ologies and I've developed my own, what have not system, because that sounds a bit um, boring, but it's a... (laughs) (laughs) It works, though. If it works, it works. It's a way of people finding their personal intelligence, because intelligence is all about the information. So the spiritual, emotional, mental and physical aspects of themselves. And in that, they look at those threads throughout life, the lessons they learned, the things that interested them. And I'm the one that actually helps pull those threads together and say, you know all this. I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. I'm just here to help pull it together. And that's why I don't like the term coach. It's more of a facilitator because I'm giving people the tools. And so now you know I want you to integrate, to use it and then share it and pass it on. I don't want any kind of dependency on me um, Mm. and keep coming back to me because you've got it in you. It's just being buried by all the shit that other people are telling you that you need to do over time. Yeah, I love that. And it's so perfect. Um, And it's funny because I call myself like a cosmic weatherman. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, I kind of like through my cards, through my numerology, through my readings, I will hold up signposts for people that say you go in that way and taking a left at the end and you've got it from there. Right. And that's for me the best work that I do. And, you know, it's funny because I love the YouTube stuff that I do it's built my entire business for me and I get to reach lots of people and I get to interact with some truly wonderful people yourself included thank you and what that really does is it taps us into something bigger than ourselves you know that and actually that's when you you can do it and and let the work go and I love that and it's so true as well very often people will come for confirmation sometimes they'll come for prophecy and you always know the difference um if you I think there's been a few times in some of the Leo readings where I've said this is an interruption Tower is not speaking about you on the microcosmic level this is a world event that we're seeing right now and you know that stuff is really really important because we're a part of the world right absolutely absolutely And talking of which, I think it's actually quite bizarre. I was telling you earlier about my um, heritage and 
my um, great, great, great grandfather, Sir James Clark Ross, he actually used the Earth's magnetic field in order to find his way to the North and South Poles. It's quite bizarre, but I also use the Earth's magnetic field in the quantum physics aspects of things to help people find their true north. And it's just maybe I'm making it up for myself because it sounds delicious. But um, I just. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? As intelligent as we are as human beings, I don't think we're that smart. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you just pissed on my bonfire. <laughs> no, no. I, what I mean by that is for, for all the amazing things that we've managed to develop as human beings that we know about and all of the secret technologies as well, this stuff all works because something out there is working as well. And so talking of which, we've actually got a, an equinox coming up in the next couple of days so for you it's the spring equinox and for us Mm -hmm. down under it's the autumn equinox can you give us some advice or really just give us a bit of a a rundown as to what they are and how they influence us okay so equinoxes are points at which obviously the earth does its tilt right and so when when so we know that as like a physiological sort of energy when we talk about it in terms of astrology when we step into spring on the 20th this year, when the sun moves into the sign of Aries at zero degrees, that is when uh, spring truly starts, right? right? And so you can see this as an energy. And for you guys, this is the fall because Aries represents the newborn baby, right? And that sort of unstoppable burst of life when a child first comes to be. When you see the uh, opposite end of the scale, which is Libra, This is where literally, so just like the balance of the scales, uh, you guys are stepping into the dark half of the year. So as the sun crosses the threshold for us into Aries, um, it's coming above the horizon and this comes into full sight and view, as it were. And then as uh, you guys are tilting into the Libra half of the year, this is where the sun is getting dimmer and it's getting weaker in its strength, if you like. So it's kind of like the story of two halves. So you get in the light half and the dark half of the year. So for us here in the northern, this is a time to really think about rebirth. It's a time for us to start presenting new things to the world and stepping out into the world. It's a time to plant seeds and to grow things and to really start going for it in terms of the things that we want to see in the world. On a spiritual level, this is about calling up your energy and putting it out into the world. Whereas for you guys, you're coming into autumn now. So just like the trees, you know, they start to pull their energy down into the roots. They start to preserve energy and start to go a bit more inward, right? And this is what happens in the dark half of the year. Things start to slow down. We start to lose, you know, more of the light and the length of the light. On a spiritual level, for you guys, I would say this would be a really good next six months, let's say, to really start thinking about ways that you can preserve your inner energies and ways that you can start to observe your internal self as well as your external self. On a more sort of mundane level, this is where you can really start to pull back, to simplify, especially as you're coming into autumn, this would be a really good time to start preparing for that winter season right equinoxes are powerpoint so use this to your advantage whenever you get an equinox you're getting a powerful point a powerful shift of energy 
And so maybe take a moment to observe how that happens within you as well. If anything does, if you don't notice anything, maybe think about what happened in the external world. And as you were talking earlier, it's really just being more aware and looking to nature and watching what nature does and adopting the same kind of rhythms. I used to love watching the snowdrops and crocuses and things come up um, in England because we don't get them here. For us in the autumn, it's um, drawing in the harvest and looking at what we've created and looking after it and slowing down. It's so, so important. We could talk for blooming hours, but at some point we have to draw a close to this. So I've got questions that I normally round things off with. Is there a book or a person that has influenced you in your life? And if so, how? Oh, gosh, so many. Um, I'm going to have to say two books. Okay, uh, cool. Sorry to, to, to be the exception. <laughs> the first one is The Celestine Prophecy. I remember reading that at 15 years old and it just blew my mind. I remember thinking like, this is real. This is not a fictional book. This is, this guy is talking about some real stuff. Uh, And the second was The Way of the Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman. Um, Another mind blowing book that really, really changed my life and my perspective on some of the ways that I saw things. It really helped me assimilate some of my harder lessons I think um oh and one more a new earth by Eckhart Tolle just phenomenal um and I have a story about that book when I read it I was 25 or 26 I was going through quite a tough time 25 to 30 was a really shit period for me (laughs) (laughs) everyone else was living their best life and I was like oh my god I just want it to end but I read that book and I could only read it 10 pages at a time I would literally get 10 pages in and just pass out for two three hours like literally just because it was such powerful heavy stuff that was shifting in me as I was reading the book I only ever read it once. I have never tried to read it again because it really, really sunk so deeply in for me. But phenomenal book. Really, really good. Now, I think we touched on this one earlier, but when you're um, in a funk, what do you do to um, lift the vibes? Yeah, definitely get out into nature. That's the first. And if that doesn't work, sometimes a good workout like what? even if you don't want to do it like mm-hmm. you know, oh this sucks or you know whatever then yeah like a, a good something that raises the heart rate you know really gets you sweating whether it's a punch bag bike ride something physical yeah usually another thing that I like to do is disappear into a film if I'm in a funk I actually watch videos of kids giggling because I, <laughs> I love one. that <laughs> I love that. You can't, it's so contagious. You can't help but get the old um, happy juices flowing around the body. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, do you have a favourite quote at all? Um, I've got two that come to mind. I remember when I was 17, I was doing a cleaning job and um, I saw this woman on her desk. She had a plaque and she'd coined this phrase as the, the, the award that she got. And it was have great faith in people because with your help, they can do anything. And that really, really stuck with me to this day. I was just like, what an awesome human being, right? Mm. So that definitely. And um, another thing that I read, that's the Aquarian part of me. The Leo part of me was um, saving the world one person at a time. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, which you know totally works for me well I think um, I talked about this um it's it's something it's part of that process that we go through I mean I know in my writing my book um is a major process but in that journey it's about getting rid of the ego because it was all about you know I'm writing this so everybody's going to love me know about me the world over and I've gone through that now and I think the reason my book has taken like 300 years um to get to the point where it is now it's (laughs) because I've had to learn to walk the talk really and like anything we do stuff because we have a need for it ourselves. And so, you know, again, that is the soul speaking. You were talking about holding up the placard and being like the navigating thing. I call it the greater personal self. The soul GPS is the greater personal self because I'm obsessed with anagrams to remember things because I fucked up in the exams kind of thing. So. <laughs> but they have, I love it. That's brilliant. They have to be meaningful because I created this whole plethora of stuff that I couldn't remember the anagrams because they had no meaning. So that was completely pointless. <laughs> and talking of saving the world, if I was your fairy godmother and you were able to um, change one thing in the world, what would it be and why? Oh, that's a really, really good one. Um, honestly, I think I would want to change the money system. Right. Going back to other thought of when I was little, Um, maybe because of the stuff that was happening within the family at the time. But I remember thinking money just causes problems. And one thought that I've often had is, wouldn't it be wonderful if we just had schools where you could go and learn what you want to learn without having to worry about how you were going to do it? And the reason I say that is, I'm sure the same thing for you. I know people that love music and that's all they care about, but they have to work a job you know, scanning parcels or whatever. I know people that are obsessed with bugs and plants and that's all they care about. But they have to, I don't know, be a mechanic. Uh, Do you see what I mean? Like people naturally gravitate towards what they want to do. And I've Mm -hmm. often wondered if we were all given the chance to study what we want to study, I think all bases would be covered because there's a lot of people that you know like I I know a lady who's obsessed with teeth (laughs) she just you know that's her thing she loves it she's like yeah I love being a dentist okay fair enough thank goodness for that yeah so yeah I think that maybe the the economy or the economic system I think I would change um because it would allow people more freedom and I think when people really are free they naturally gravitate towards healing love acceptance and helping each other you know it's fascinating I love looking at the meaning of words and where they come from and things and economic is really about the relationship between people and the planet it's got got fuck all to do with money but that is the way we've been indoctrinated to work in order to make things grow and develop we need money I haven't got the answer but there is something bigger than us that that can actually create this and give people the freedom to explore what fills them up and also take away the fear of poverty basically isn't it yeah how am I going to survive and Mm. yeah I totally agree with you um it's a very Star Trek way of looking at things isn't it like you know we're, we're no longer interested in money um but I really think that there is an answer there somewhere yeah. because like this, the, what we're interested in as people 
is so broad and so vast. And I think if people have the chance to take those things as far as they can, it benefits everybody. It really, really does. And everybody's got something amazingly of value as well. And also I love children because they're not bogged down with the way that they should think. And they've got such curious minds and things and they can really open things up. I just, they're fascinating. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, it's been a bit of self-indulgence, I must admit. <laughs> it's lovely to virtually see you and have you all to myself for the past hour. Ah, thank you. No, You're honestly, welcome. this has been great. It's been a long time in the making. I'm really glad that I made it. It would be lovely to come on again and maybe talk about something else at a different time as well. All right, well, take care. Have a good evening or rest of your day and I'll speak to you soon. All right, take care. Thanks Bye. so much. Well, that's a wrap for this week, my lovelies. Next week, my guest will be writer and seasoned podcaster, Joanna Penn, who's built a sustainable creative business that gives her the freedom to live life on her own terms. So until then, dig deep, open your mind to a world of possibilities, live life with a generous heart and take steps to minimise waste and maximise your own potential.